Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heeland, managing editor with you as always, and today we're going to be talking NBA Draft Lottery, which just happened on Thursday night. Minnesota Timberwolves are on top. What does that mean for the top pick? And some of the ones just below it, the Warriors are number two. We're going to get into all that in just a minute. Just a reminder, I wanted you guys to know, Monday, August 24th, marks one year out from the Tokyo Paralympics. The, look, the world's going to come together again to celebrate competition, unity, and the triumph of the human spirit as the best athletes on the earth pursue a dream delayed. The Tokyo Paralympic Games are going to be next August on NBC. Let's get back to talking NBA for a second. Now, Dan Feldman from NBC Sports, you're in with us. Uh, Minnesota's on top. That's an interesting pick. I mean, they were one of the three teams that were most likely to get the number one pick. Yeah, I mean, the odds are against any single team getting the number one pick. So that's the surprise. But it, it will be interesting to see what the Timberwolves do. I, I don't know if we've hit a consensus yet, but if there is one, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards are atop the draft. And, you know, I don't know if Minnesota needs another guard like that, but those are the options unless they want to, unless they have a different evaluation than, uh, than most people or if they want to reach at a different position. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, they could try to reach and go for someone else, but I, my guess is it's going to be one of those two guys and it becomes interesting. Um, Edwards is really a six, five, two guard who kind of works off the ball, who can shoot. LaMelo has functioned best as a guy with the ball in his hands. He is, he's the highest risk, high reward guy in this draft, right? Like, isn't he, it's, it's, it's a, that's a risky guy to take number one because he absolutely could be the best guy in this draft. And he absolutely could be a mess. Rob Doster, who uh, worked for NBC sports and had this great line about him in a, in a preview video he did on YouTube recently, where he's like, he does some stuff at an almost elite NBA level already. And he does some stuff that makes you wonder if he can stay on an NBA court. He does. And we can definitely talk more about LaMelo Ball. But I do think in, in talking about how, you know, he's got the high upside, but such a low downside and such a wide range for a number one pick. If the consensus had moved more toward Anthony Edwards as the number one pick, I think we'd be having the exact same discussion. There isn't somebody in this draft who's a safe number one pick. So whoever got that top pick, and it's Minnesota, is going to be evaluating flawed players. That's how this draft is. But I will say, at least among these flawed players, I like a lot of their upsides. They have the talent. They just aren't reliable. Yeah, and I think that that comes back to how well you scouted. I was just on with Gerson Rosas and they, they ask him kind of just this question, like, Hey, you, you, there were, was no conference tournaments. There was no NCAA tournaments. There are no in-person workouts. Uh, it limit there. There's less film. It limits, you know, what you can see with these guys. 
and and his reaction was that hey, this is a multi-year process. We've been scouting these guys since they were juniors and seniors in high school and making notes on them and following their progression. We have a good sense of who they are, and I, you know that. Look, the scouting departments for teams had nothing better to do for the last three months than essentially scout every one of these guys to death. Sure. Uh, It's interesting because I was actually, before uh, the coronavirus shutdown hit, I was looking into, hey, is there a way to contextualize a a draft lottery where the picks had uh, maybe the fewest appearances in the the NCAA tournament or the Sweet 16? Because this was already – an erratic looking draft players on uh, not in college, right? You had a, a couple high level prospects in Australia. Uh, there, yeah. there is at least one international player who could go, probably will go in the lottery. Uh, the players who were in college, you know, uh, they, uh, they weren't on good teams that you would see advanced deep in the NCAA tournament, like in a normal year. So there was already going to be limited information. This just exacerbated it. All right. Let me throw it to you something. Someone threw at me when I, on Twitter said, I thought this makes Edwards more likely just because I don't think Rosas would roll the dice on LaMelo. And I, that's just a hunch. That's not based on anything. I got some, well, what about James Wiseman put a shot blocking big next to uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I, do you have, uh, uh, before I taint them, what do do you have thoughts on Wiseman? Well, who is going to, between Wiseman and Carl Anthony Towns, who is the one who's going to defend out in space? Uh, already centers have to do it, but power forwards definitely have to do it. Uh, I don't trust either one of them there. So that, that could be a real big defensive liability. Uh, who's ever going to get pulled out into space? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just not that high on Wiseman as a prospect. I, you know, take him in the lottery. Okay, sure. Like, you know, he's got some talent. I see what there is to work with, like, I'm not saying he shouldn't be picked somewhat high, but he's not somebody I would consider with the number one pick. Not, not really. No, neither would I. And I, I was about to say the scouts I've talked to said they wouldn't touch him that high. A lot of them seem to have him sliding almost down boards. Um, and part of that comes back to a little bit fit and a little bit just, there is a sense with him that, look, he's got a lot of skills, but he thinks he, he thinks he's would be the wrong way of phrasing it. They're not convinced he'll play a role in the NBA and, and fit what he fit in that he believes he should be a guy with the ball in his hands, a big with the ball in his hands, a la a Giannis, Kevin Durant. I don't know. Pick pick your tall guy who's play, really plays the three type of thing. And that he's just not that guy. And if that's true, and again, this is just talking to scouts and talking to other people. If that's true, then boy, I'm really leery because now I, He's just not going to be happy in whatever role I fit him in, especially somewhere like Minnesota where, hey, I know where the touches are going to go. I mean, (laughs) D'Angelo Russell's going to get a lot of touches. Carl Anthony Towns should be getting a whole lot more touches than he's gotten. Uh, You've got to get those guys, and you've got to get guys who can function around them with, I think, fewer touches, which is kind of comes back to the LaMelo thing. I don't, you know, we'll see. So it's interesting where we're talking about, well, you've already got Carl Anthony Towns. He's going to get touches. He's the big man. How does that affect Wiseman? We had a, a parallel discussion about taking LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards and how that fits with D'Angelo Russell. I do think there's one distinction worth making. 
I don't care about D'Angelo Russell if I'm the Timberwolves. I, regardless, I'm taking whoever I yeah. think is the best prospect yes. available. If it's close, okay, that can swing it. And obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is, is an elite young player, bright future, all the tools you want. He needs to get better defensively. He needs some, to clean up some things, but he's young. He is he is the franchise player. I like having D'Angelo Russell on my team if I'm Minnesota, but I'm not changing this draft pick because of him. Rosas, by the way, said pretty much the exact same thing, which is that, look, in this draft in particular and with where they are in play, look, they were one of the three worst teams in the NBA. You, you take the most talented player on the board. It's just really a question this year. There's not a clear-cut number one, not only not a Zion Williamson franchise cornerstone kind of guy. There's just not, even in years where you weren't sure how good that, you know, whether that number one guy was going to be a, a true cornerstone. Teams were a little higher on them than they seem to be with these guys. Um, Number two, by the way, we should run through all of these. This wasn't just the Minnesota Timberwolves lottery at number one, number two, the golden state warriors trade it or keep it. Well, it depends what you can get is the cop out answer, but I think trading it makes the, the most sense. Their championship window is open right now. You know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're at an age where they're not going to be able to contend for a title forever. It's open right now. The odds of a rookie being able to step in in year one and help are so low. Uh, maybe there's somebody there that you really like that by year two or, you know, can be a contributor by year three can be really good. Like there are plenty of players who do that. There's nobody I trust in. And then you lose getting that production year one. The, again, the odds of somebody number two in this draft helping the Warriors win a championship next year. God, it's so small, but they could win it. And so if you can trade that pick for a veteran, I think you've got to look very strongly at it. But again, it depends what you can get. You need to get the commensurate value. Like if no, if it doesn't work out, if there's nobody really high on somebody at number two on a team that has a quality win now veteran, like you don't have to trade it. You don't have to take whatever immediate upgrade you can get. But I think there would be something out there that would make sense. I would imagine that there are, and I'm with you. I think you look veteran first. The other option you've got, is to look a little farther down the draft to Atlanta at six, Detroit at seven. Hey, the New York Knicks who slid again at number eight. Uh, if the Knicks really love mellow ball and there's plenty of debate about whether they do or should, but for fun <laughs> in, in our fun hypothetical, if they really want him, Hey, what can I get? Uh, you know, who can I get off there? How can I swing that? And, we'll swap picks and maybe I can get something else in there and I'll move up. You can move up to two. I'll slide down to number eight. And there I can get the, I do get a sense that there's a lot of good, you know, talking to people, there's a, they think there's good rotation players in this draft, especially as you get, you know, past the top five or six. Like there's just really the expectations for a number one pick are going to be rough in this draft. But if you're drafting with the Spurs at number 11, you're probably going to be able to get a solid rotation player out of this. And so if you slide down a little, that could work for, I mean, again, you're going to have to develop them. You'd rather have somebody who can work now, but maybe that works for uh, Golden State. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but even those players who you would project as, oh yeah, they could become a solid rotation player. Uh, it's not reasonable to expect them to be that in year one, especially deep in the playoffs. At number three, the Charlotte Hornets draft talent. Lord, they just need talent. I mean, I don't know what else. They just need a lot more talent on that roster, right? And I don't, you know, you 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 do your scouting, you take the best player, you try to develop them. I don't I don't know that there's a great grand plan there for them. 
I mean, what a what a test for Mitch Kupchak and and the rest of his front office because presumably Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards will be off the board. And man, it there are so many prospects after that where it's like, ah, eh, you could see maybe something or not. Like they could be total bust. There's nobody to feel confident about, but a bunch of players to feel okay about. Or maybe you know we you know this draft is so flat. Uh, in terms of talent, I wouldn't be surprised if LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards slips to three. But if you're Charlotte, you got to be wondering why. Like, based on what we see now, no, that's yeah. unlikely. But if we gather more information and that happens, well, that means probably one of those two players is right in the mix. Oftentimes, through the pre-draft workout process, somebody in this range tends to separate himself. Uh, you know, it looks really good from among all these prospects. It could be, we're not going to ha- probably have those normal pre-draft workouts. This is a very no. tough pick for Charlotte. It is. I think it, I think the lack of pre-draft workouts, con- it does concern teams. And it's part of it is, yeah, the workouts are nice, but especially if the guy played college or, or, or LaMelo's case, you've got film on him from Australia. Uh what you don't get is the in-person interview, taking the guy out to dinner, talking to them, seeing, hey, who showed up with them? Was it an entire entourage of their friends showed up with them to the workout? Or did they just come with their agent and like a parent and they were kind of business? Like, how do they treat everything matters? And it, you don't it, get to see some of that. It does. But I also think uh, you lose some opportunity to overthink it, right? Yeah, sometimes yeah. guys show up with a bunch of people. Uh, and they're good basketball players, right? Like sometimes teams lose track of the main thing by overthinking other stuff. Um, number four, by the way, Charlotte had jumped up. So did the Chicago Bulls up to the number four slot. Um, that's actually a nice spot for them. I think at least, you know, look, that's a team. They're going to be bringing in a new coach, which I think you have to do that and set the tone, right? Like you got to figure out what kind of team you're going to be whole new front office, whole new coaching staff. What kind of team are you going to be? And that in some way influences the decision you're going to make about who you take. Although again, take the best player. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'd say the opposite. Take the best player uh, because you have this new team president. I don't think, uh, depending on you know what direction they want to go, I think it's going to be hard to just all of a sudden go a new direction. This is a team with a bunch of players under contract for next season already. Yeah. Like you know, there's some uh, flexibility, but as we've seen for the most part, when new executives take over, they don't want to make a bunch of moves because that starts their clock. That's when they start to get evaluated. If you just let things naturally run its course, you can say, well, man, it's 2022. I've been on this great job for two years. I've gotten this nice salary with this nice job. Now it's the time to start turning over the roster. Now you can not even start to evaluate me, but now this is when the clock starts to evaluate me and you can evaluate me in a few years. It's a real good stalling tactic, but to be honest, the Bulls are kind of set up for that anyway. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting. And the, and I, the Bulls are of an owner who's not going to spend a ton. I don't think so. By the way, I still think that there's a lot of potential with that team. I like Laurie Markkinen. I just, you got to get him on the floor to see how he blends with, with Zach Levine, who puts up a lot of points, um, even if they're a little bit empty calories. So I think, I don't, I would just like to see what the Bulls look like for a year under a new coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, I thought they'd be better this year. 
Uh, yeah. You know, look, looking back, I wrote in their uh, off-season grade or season preview last last summer that, well, look, they got a lot of things going for them. Uh, I like the veterans they add in Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky. Maybe they can, you know, make a push for the playoffs. Or, you know, they got a bunch of intriguing young players. They got Lowry Markin and they got Wendell Carter Jr. They got Kobe White. Maybe those guys progress really well. Or, you know, maybe everything just comes undone. Nothing works out. But in that case, like, you know, you could get a really high pick in the draft. They went over three. They, like the five pick is not that high of a pick. Like everything has gone wrong for Chicago. There is a lot of work to do to build back up. It is. It is. Uh, we are going to keep talking about the NBA draft lottery. Plus some interesting things. Adam Silver said about the timing of next season on the pre-draft show. We'll get to all that in a second. Just a reminder, Monday, August 24th marks one year out again from the Tokyo Paralympics. We talked about that a little earlier. The world will come back together to celebrate competition. These are people who have to persevere through another challenging year and keep doing the workouts, keep finding a way to stay at the top of their sport, at the top of their game. 2021 brings us all back to an event we look forward to every year. There's U.S. stars like Tatiana McFadden, Chuck Aoki, Jessica Long will be there. Uh, It's the sport's biggest stage. It's a huge stage for a lot of them. Frankly, the Paralympics are such a great watch. Look, just the competition's fantastic. The ath- the athleticism's really amazing. You need to watch the Paralympic Games. They, they will be next August, Monday, August 20th, starting Monday, August 24th on NBC, all of the NBC networks, and of course on Peacock. Um, Dan, we move back into the draft. We'll slide down and just look at some of the other teams. Cleveland, number five, Atlanta, number six, Detroit, number seven. Anything jump out at you? I mean, those are teams just looking to add talent, right? The Hawks have some pieces, but. Yeah, I mean, those are all teams that that know they're rebuilding, that know where they are. And, you know, this is this is how you accelerate a rebuild that in a draft like this, you nail a pick in the middle of the lottery when when there aren't the same players available as higher up. It's not easy, uh, but that's. You know, that's how you accelerate it. Otherwise, you know, this, but this is the whole NBA system. If you miss, well, you get to come back into the lottery and try again next year. A lot of clowning online of the New York Knicks, who uh, Knicks fans got their hopes up. Like, oh man, LaMelo, here we go. We can get in on this. And they slide down two spots, number eight, which well, you had like a, I think it was 20% chance of that happening anyway. 20.6% chance of that happening. Anyway. They was a one in five chance this was going to happen. It happened. They go down to number eight. They will not be getting LaMelo ball at number eight. I don't, I don't know where he's going, but it's not eight. Uh, <laughs> Leon Rose looked just happy to be there. Um, or maybe the opposite of that during the draft lottery. I, that's another team where I'm just really curious to see what directions they choose, who they bring in for that. Front off. There's just a million questions around that team right now. Yeah. I mean, they don't have enough talent to build around like i i'm not convinced rj barrett is going to to pan out like he might he might not he is not a surefire prospect no. uh, mitchell robinson i do like but he's limited like it, i think he's on the right track i'm really high on him but the way he plays it's limited like kevin knox i'm not a believer you know they need to add more young talent because they're so far behind uh they are a team that probably will get another lottery pick next year unless you know they try and take some shortcuts that they shouldn't uh, the Knicks shortcutting? No, <laughs> no, that could never happen. That would never happen. Uh, we'll just round out the lottery. Number nine, Washington. Number ten, your best team in the bubble, Phoenix Suns. Uh, 
Number 11, the San Antonio Spurs. 12, the Sacramento Kings. Now at 14 years. They're one away from tying the all-time record of the Clippers, right? If they miss the playoffs next year, they tie the all-time playoff drought record, correct? That is correct. I I don't want to root for that. I'm just saying it's out there. Uh, Number 13, the New Orleans Pelicans. Do you make, hey, do you make big changes to that roster? Um, or do you kind of leave it as is going into next season? Hopefully, hope you can get a new coach and a new, um, and find a way to get Zion on the floor a little more and, and just see how things play out. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be going in saying we've got to make changes, but you see what's available. You know, I, I'm matching anything on Brandon Ingram and restricted free agents, yes. keeping him, building around him and Zion. And, uh, Anybody else can stay or go and I, you know, I mean, they, uh, I think they probably learned some hard lessons this year about, uh, where they are as a team. And, you know, Zion's young, he's going to have time. You can be patient in building around him. He's obviously as a second year player who was a first round pick locked into a long-term contract with a lot of team control. Like they try to some degree to rush it this year. They also tried to get some young talent around him. They tried to hit that middle road. And uh, I think we're seeing the flaws of this team. And that points to going the young player route and building uh, with players who are of similar age to Zion. Yeah. And at number, I'm with you, by the way, I'm, I, I'd be willing to take a little time, not a lot of time, but I don't think you're going to need a lot of time with where Ingram is and where uh, Zion is in terms of being able to build something around them, but you don't need to do it with veterans. And you've got some hard decisions coming up. You're going to match Ingram this year, but the Lonzo Ball decision is a year away, and that one's a little tougher, and it goes from there. Um, Number 14, we're just going to talk about this one in this sense. The Boston Celtics get the Memphis Grizzlies pick at number 14. Dan, remember about, I don't know, five years ago when Danny Ainge had roughly 2,347 first round <laughs> picks. Uh, this was the last one. He is actually caught up on forwarded number one picks now. This is uh, th- this will be it. You know, look at the difference in how the Celtics have used those picks and the other team uh, in the East that built a huge stockpile of picks, the 76ers. Like the 76ers have amazingly squandered a great situation, all the assets that Sam yep. Hinkie built up. Uh, you know, they are scraping by and they're good, but they're not as good as they should be considering the assets. The Celtics are as good as they should be considering the assets, give or take. Like, not everything has worked out. The Kyrie Irving trade no. did not work out. Uh, turns out they didn't quite give up as much as a lot of us, myself included, thought. Uh, but the Celtics, wow, like what a way to rebuild, to realize at the exact right moment that it was time to do it. Uh, they were still a playoff team with Garnett, Pierce, Ronda. Like they figured yep. out the exact moment to do it. They flipped the switch. They hired a great young coach in Brad Stevens who lifted them up quicker than expected and have just nailed so many moves. And it's easier to nail these moves when you have these assets. Like to be a team that at this point looks like it's headed at least into the second round of the playoffs to also have the number 14 pick. Like that just gives you a lot of optionality. It does. And by the way, yeah, they, I was going to say that, that they look, did they miss on Kyrie Irving? Did they miss on some other stuff? Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you look at it in total, they got Jason Tatum, they got Jalen Brown, they got pieces that can be cornerstones of, I, I think potentially a championship team. I mean, it depends oh, on what you put around them and some stuff's got to go your way, but that's true of what the Warriors had to do with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay, uh, Clay Thompson and everyone else. It doesn't just happen. You have to put, put it together. I think they might have been able to put it together. It was a, they handled that 
really well, and they come out of this looking like a team that's going to be a threat in the East for a number of years. They, they are, to me, they look like they're a player away right now. But I was about to say the Bucks didn't look haven't looked great in the bubble. They kind of did today, but they but it's a it's against uh, Orlando, so we'll see. Um, and and I'm said, guessing uh, you like the Bucks. Uh, stop paying attention. Uh, before the game was over because <laughs> their effort to the finish was, uh, was not great though. They did look very strong for a while. Yeah. They, uh, can they we, did. They, can we they, jump they, back to, to the ahead. 11 pick? Can we jump back to the 11 pick with the Spurs? The Spurs? Uh, Absolutely. What, what a high pressure pick in their entire history in the NBA. Every single year, they've either made the playoffs or drafted a future multi-time all-star. Are they going to get, <laughs> are they going to get another one? Cause they did not make the playoffs this year. Like to keep that up. Are they going to get a multi-time future all-star in this draft? It's going to be tough, but uh, if anybody can you know, do it, it's them. Not only that, I was about to say, they're the team that drafts the guy. We kind of go, huh? Like, all right, he's got some drafts. And I'm, I am not versed enough in the players right now off the top of my head to be able to say, oh, they could go get X. And he's the perfect kind of guy they get, like a Kawhi Leonard in the sense of incredible athleticism needed a lot of polish, needed a lot of work. They're so good at developing guys. They're not the gold standard right now that they used to be. I think who's the best team developing now? Utah, uh, you, the, Toronto, Utah. Tor- I was going to say the Raptors have a, uh, that's, that's who came to yeah. mind first for me, Pascal Siakam. Oh, uh, what they've done with Terrence Davis already. Oh, Gianobi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On down the line. Yeah. That's actually a really good one, but yeah, Utah's in the mix. There's a couple other teams. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Spurs aren't quite that right now, it doesn't feel like, but yeah, never put it past them to actually find somebody that in three years were like, how did everybody else pass on this guy? Look, they, at they the, can... odds, the odds are very strongly against because of where they're drafting and also because yes. they're not as sharp as they used to be. Uh, very strongly against them keeping the streak alive. But I'd like them to because it's just an incredible thing. <laughs> it is a kind I... of wild I, you you might have I, I uh, tweeted this like last year. Maybe you've seen this. Uh, do you know the four players, the future All Stars they drafted in the years they didn't make the playoffs? Well, Tim two Duncan. are pretty easy. Yep. Yeah, Duncan's really obvious. What when the last time they didn't make the playoffs? So twenty two years ago. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, Duncan and who else was on the team? Uh, or that year? Um, wasn't Parker? Was it? No, he was later. Wasn't Ginobili? You're you're forgetting their other Hall of Famer, their greatest David player. Robinson. There you go. Uh, yeah, duh. <laughs> and um, the other two are a little trickier. Uh, oh boy! Um, and then I'm toast. I'm gonna... <laughs> uh, Sean Elliott. Ooh, and, good. And Alvin Robertson. Wow, Sean Elliott was a quietly sneaky good player. If if not the best color man in the league, he was a good player. Uh, uh, not in Detroit, but when he was in San Antonio <laughs> before that, and when he was in San Antonio after that, he was quite yeah. good. <laughs> Spoken like somebody who has been to a lot of Piston games. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing that was of interest out of this, I mean, I don't, unless there was some other major topic we missed, um, I was watching the pregame show, or uh, more accurately, had the pregame show on in the background, um, and Adam Silver comes on, and... Rachel Nichols, as she does, asks a really good question, which is what everybody's been hearing basically about the start date getting pushed back. And, and now we're hearing that the well, the draft lot, the draft itself is still set for uh, Friday, October 16th. But the free agency that was going to start a couple of days later now looks like it will be pushed back. Weeks, at least 
uh, some frame of time until they can actually come up with a, uh, they don't know how much, <laughs> it's hard to go into free agency if you don't know what the financial structure of the league is and what the salary cap is next year. And that's become a difficult thing to figure out in the pandemic and trying to project it forward. Um, so it's Rachel Nichols basically said, hey, what's the deal with the start date? And Adam Silver's direct quote, December 1st, now that we're look, working through this season is feeling a bit early to me. Our number one goal is to get fans back in the arena. My sense is working with the Players Association, if we could push that back a little longer and it increased the likelihood of having fans in arenas, that's what we would be targeting. Um, Dan, I don't think we're going to have NBA games uh, on December 1st, but do you push it back past Christmas? I don't understand why they said December 1st in the first place. That date never <laughs> seemed to, to make sense. Like, even even when they first announced it, we were like, well, I don't know about this. But, but you know, you got to take them somewhat at their word if they were going to put it out in a press release. Like, that meant something. Uh, it depends on the, the coronavirus. I, I think... I don't think Adam Silver was clear enough when he said, oh, getting fans into the arena is our top priority. No, the top priority is making money. And if it appears that fans aren't going to be able to be in the arena anytime soon, at some point, the league's got to say, hey, we can't just continue not making money. Uh, we need to get some yeah. revenue in, like, uh, unless there's a, something else stronger happening, like a lockout where you're not paying the players, like some type of paradigm shift. But as long as things exist as they do, like you got to get some money coming in. And so it just really depends on the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and that's what, you know, very much wait and see, you know, we, we learn more about it every day. I uh, get hopefully closer to a vaccine or, or something similar and can better figure out what to do. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I think the kink in this and the reason that December 1st was out there the, in the beginning was the Olympics, uh, which have now been pushed back to next summer and we'll start you now. I think it's July 21st. It's late July. I should know that working for NBC. We should just like have that tattooed on us somewhere, memento style. But it's it's it, it starts, it, I believe it's July 21st, right around there. If you can push, if you push the start of next season back to March and then put in an NHL style Olympic break in for one year, you think they could go that route or do you try? There's this urge to start on Christmas because that's a traditional NBA day. But I, if you're pushing it back that far, what's the not? Why not push it back to mid-January or February? Or the later you go, the better the chances of a vaccine and getting people in the building. In theory, yeah, the better the better the chances of getting people in the building. But the longer time you've gone without revenue, here's the thing: it's, yeah. you know, when do you want to start the season regularly? Uh, I don't think it's February or March or any of no. the like crazy dates that get thrown out there. So you're going to have to work out something like this is all so shaken up in the calendar. And so, yeah, maybe starting whenever with that hockey style break for the Olympics, uh, maybe that helps you get back toward a normal calendar uh, afterward. That's something that would have to be renegotiated with the, with the players union. I, my sense was that there was a desire to get back to, the quote unquote traditional schedule, but we'll see. And I think I don't, I, I was about to say the ratings on this season will impact that, but I don't think they do just because a, the ratings are a challenge in and of themselves right now, but also just because this is such a one-off season in every regard. I don't think you can look at the ratings for the finals, whether they're good or bad as a future indicator of what finals in the summer would look like. 
That is 100% correct. And I keep hearing people talking about like, oh, it's going to be going against football. You don't know that. You do not know when football is going to be played. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it, it, they appear to be trying to go on schedule, but you don't know. And so, you, you know, don't overthink it. Do what makes sense when it's safe, what you can do to make some money if you can do it safely. Like, don't worry if you're the NBA about, well, football might be playing. We don't want to go against it because it, all of a sudden you might say, man, we had a window to play and football wasn't actually playing in that window. Can I just say for the record, I know the NFL is pushing ahead and, and I'm here's what bothered me most this week about the NFL. I tried to watch Hard Knocks on HBO. And if you're not playing games, that show just isn't if there's not the drama of playing games and guys getting cut, it's just not the same, man. It's just not <laughs> the same level of drama. It's it's just more shots of camp and more and 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 understandably, a lot of shots of uh, and a lot of talk of, of the precautions and the, the the protocols and all that stuff. It just did not make for it does not make for great television. And that show's already, I thought, unfortunately, slipped a little and become a little PR in the in most in recent years. This year, uh, maybe it'll pick up. Maybe I can force my way through it. We'll see. I don't know. I was pretty interested in the discussion of when it's okay to use a porta potty. <laughs> These are these are the kind of detailed conversations that uh, that you can count on. We need to bring to this podcast. We'll have you know what we'll do porta potties in a future week, Dan. Just you and me talking porta potties. I'm glad you explained uh, what doing porta potties meant. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> wow. Well, we we should get back to basketball then, because apparently portable toilets not our strong suit. So <laughs> can, can we can we go back to the lottery? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I just, have this, I just have this lingering thought, and tell me what you think. I don't really feel differently about the Timberwolves' long-term out, outlook that much. Like usually, a team wins the lottery, it's like, wow, that really changed their fortune. And I think maybe some of that is just the unpredictability of this draft. I think some of it is, well, the Timberwolves already have a couple young building blocks uh, that you probably that they probably especially feel better about than whoever they get number one uh, in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, some of it is, hey, the players at the top aren't the cleanest positional fit. I think maybe even some of it is, well, they just had a couple number one picks. They had Carl Anthony Towns. They had Andrew Wiggins. They didn't do anything with that. Like, yeah. this is not a franchise we trust to to make this work. I don't know. Am, am I alone on this? I'm just like, this is not the typical post-lottery feeling. No, I think actually that's pretty accurate because my thought was, hey, they can get a nice, you know, rotational player to fit <laughs> next to next to the guys they're trying to make stars. And again, I'm not sure if D'Angelo Russell is your star or if he's your long-term answer, but Towns is, and you're thinking around him with this, as opposed to this being the kind of draft where you're like, ooh, they can get a real number two. You know, I just, I don't think they're, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Lonzo LaMelo Ball uh, proves us all wrong or someone else. Maybe Obi Toppin's just, the next Victor Oladipo and we don't see it coming, but I'm just not sure who the number two is in this draft. So, yeah, I mean, even if they go with Anthony Edwards uh, because they don't want to have the overlap with, with uh, D'Angelo Russell with LaMelo ball, both of them, like I'm not a hundred percent certain that uh, Anthony Edwards is going to be better than um, Malik Beasley who played very well for them at shooting guard after, after they traded yeah. for him. Yeah. Malik Beasley was very good for them this year. And that you're exactly right. I'd, now you you're drafting at number one to back up Malik Beasley. 
it's <laughs> it's just yeah just the way everything shakes out it just doesn't feel like the the paradigm changer that it usually is no it really does not so it does not i, th- I think you're right on there so well this i think this podcast though changed the paradigm of the nba and uh or or not <laughs> but thanks for doing it, Dan. It was fun having you on and talking, and uh, we will be back again soon. Uh, you can catch our work at NBCSports.com. Dan Feldman is on uh, Twitter at? Dan Feldman NBA. Right, and uh, you can find me at Basketball Talk on Twitter, plus uh, I'm trying to do more on Instagram at uh, Kurt Heelan NBA. If uh, you can follow me there. Uh, it'll that The Instagram account will be far more interesting when we're attending games again. It's just not as interesting with me running headlines, but uh, there is some stuff there. So in the future, there'll be more. Anyway, thank you for listening. We will be back soon with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.